0: Rachel, I'm right with you. Let
1: me pick up
0: my baby. What's that? I'm with you guys. Let me pick up my baby. Okay.
2: We have a presenter who is multitasking with a little one today. So. Um, I understand <laughs> I, that. I told her that we are all very... We are very happy to see babies and yes. little ones on our webinars. So yes, for no, sure. No worries. And thanks to everyone who's joining. We will get started here in about just a minute or so.
0: Oh, <laughs> so precious.
2: She said four months old. Oh. <sighs> you know everybody who joins early is going to get to see the baby they're going to be like your incentive to join join webinars early it's a pretty good incentive (laughs) can't guarantee that for every journal club but Mm -hmm. it could happen all right thanks to everyone joining we'll get started there in just about a minute as folks get into the room All right, we'll go ahead and get started. My name is Rachel Dager. I'm the executive director of the Society for Nutrition, Education, and Behavior. And thank you for joining us today for today's Journal Club webinar. Um, We're in the middle of a a series on digital technology and nutrition. um, and we are thankful for uh, SNEB's Digitech Division uh, for helping organize this uh, spring semester. Uh, so I have slides available from our presenters. Let me drop those in the chat uh, so you can download that presentation and follow along. We will take questions at the end of the presentation. So please type those in the chat block or the question block uh, so we can moderate questions to our presenters. Uh, when the webinar ends today there's a short survey and we appreciate your feedback on this session as well as uh, comments for future webinars and then watch for an email follow-up it should arrive uh, by wednesday Um, the email itself comes from zoom and actually i think that the sender is no reply at zoom.us we've had some folks not receiving the follow-up email um, So you might have to check your spam for something from Zoom, but if at any point it gets to be the end of the week and you realize that you haven't uh, received a follow-up from us, don't hesitate to reach out uh, so we can make sure to get you the um, recording, the handout again, and then the CEU certificate that you're earning for your uh, live attendance. Uh, So I will turn things over to our moderator, Dr. Kristen Filippo, is teaching assistant professor at the University of Illinois.
3: Thank you, Rachel. We have two speakers today. Chisholm McCauley is a PhD candidate in the Department of Nutritional Sciences at the University of Georgia, Athens. Under the mentorship of Dr. Carrie Cotwright, her research projects focus on childhood obesity prevention. She applies a mixed method approach to develop innovative interventions that promote healthy beverage, fruit, and vegetable consumption. Chisholm earned her Bachelor of Science in Nutrition and Dietetics from the University of Nigeria. She has a Master's in Nutrition and exercise physiology from the University of Missouri, Columbia. Chisholm enjoys creating recipes, singing, and dancing with her children in her leisure time. Cassidy Sharp began her educational pursuit at Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University, where she obtained a bachelor's degree in food science. However, she became more interested in the interaction between food and health and sought a master's degree in clinical nutrition in the interdepartmental nutrition program at Purdue University. Her research focused on the interaction of food components and metabolism in diabetes development in adolescence. Currently, Cassidy is a doctoral candidate at the University of Georgia in the Nutritional Sciences Department, where her research focus is in nutrition education, more specifically the cultural adaptation of nutrition education materials for Black audiences and nutrition education through social media. I wanna thank them both for joining us today and sharing their expertise with us. And at this point, I can pass it over to Cassidy and Chisholm.
1: All right, good morning, afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. (laughs) Thank you for the introduction. Um, I am Cassidy Sharp. I'll be presenting this morning with Chisum, who's my lab mate. Um, We're both um, PhD candidates here at the University of Georgia in the Department of Nutritional Sciences. Um, Specifically, we're representing the Childhood Obesity Prevention Lab led by Dr. Kari Cotwright. And this morning, the paper that we'll be presenting is entitled, Determining E-Learning Preferences to Inform Beverage Policy Training for Early Care and Education Teachers. So just to start off, um, Chisum and Dr. Cotwright and I have um, no actual or potential conflicts of interest to report relating to this presentation. This is just a summary of the nutrition educator competencies that we'll be covering um, related to nutrition education design, implementation and evaluation, um, and the nutrition education research methods. So just to start with a brief introduction, um, if you're in the nutrition and obesity space, which we all are, I'm sure you've seen this, Um, information before, but I'm including it because of course it's referenced in the paper. This is NHANES data that shows trends in obesity prevalence among youth aged two to 19 years in the United States from 1999 and 2014. Um, And you can see there is a steady increase in the obesity rates. It's also important to mention that there were a lot of obesity efforts happening at this time. So to see kind of increased rates despite those efforts um, is alarming, it was alarming. It's also important to note that um, since this work was done, there's been more NHANES data released um, that shows the obesity prevalence um, increased to 19.7% through 2020. And then additionally, there's been more um, data released from the CDC that showed that um, obesity rates increased during the pandemic, specifically children ages two to five years. The current rate is 12.7%. So this is still a concern and still needs um, policy and intervention um, support. So this graph here, table, I know there's a lot, uh, but I'll kind of talk you through it, shows uh, sugar, sweetened and beverage consumption trends among um, children, <sighs> So it shows a percentage of children ages one to five years who consumed um, fruit, vegetables, or sugar-sweetened beverages. um, And it kind of breaks it down by age and by race and ethnicity. And if you'll uh, kind of draw your attention to the highlighted box, you can see that over half of children are consuming a sugar-sweetened beverage daily. Um, So all children are over-consuming. And this is important because we know that Um, As children age, they consume more sugar sweetened beverages. So if the rates are this high at this young age, that's especially alarming um, for folks in the childhood nutrition space, as we are. Additionally, um, there had been some previous data released prior to the pandemic that showed that rates of sugar sweetened beverage consumption were decreasing, and this kind of not only disputes that or kind of combats that a little bit, but it also shows that the disparities that we were seeing by race um, where black and African-American as well as Hispanic populations were consuming more sugar-sweetened beverages than their um, white and Asian counterparts, that those disparities are still persisting um, despite those increased efforts. And why do we care that sugar-sweetened beverage Um, consumption rates among children are high and rising. Um, Well, it's because that they have a negative impact on children's health as they um, grow and mature. Number one, they're associated with markers of cardiovascular disease. We know that children are small, they have small tummies, they can only consume um, a certain amount per day. So if they're consuming sugar-sweetened beverages, that's less, um, more nutritious foods that they're able to consume throughout the day. 100 percent juice intake is also linked to higher BMIs, um, but also the consumption consumption of sugar-sweetened beverages um, displaces nutrients from other beverages, such as milk. We know that children get um, most of their calcium from milk, so um, increased sugar-sweetened beverage um, intake is inversely linked to calcium density. Um, And just to highlight that the early care and education setting is a critical space for obesity prevention. We know that children spend a significant time throughout their week in their life in early care and education. Um, Over 11 million children spend an average of 30 hours each week. Um, So likely more than that for a lot of children. Um, Because of that, they're getting um, a good portion, two thirds of their nutrition from these uh, care centers. And in Georgia, at least, that represents over 300,000 children. And so it just highlights the early care space as an ideal um, or critical intervention space for the development of healthy habits in this child population. So, early care and education programs is kind of an umbrella term, but there are specific um, types of child care facilities. So, child care centers, which usually um, take children starting at six weeks of age. Um, there's Head Start programs which are federally funded and are provided at no cost to parents, um, as well as preschools, um, which do cost. But they both uh, Head Start programs and preschools focus on um, school readiness and have a like more academic focus. And there's family child care centers, which are um, usually smaller, usually also. Um, are don't separate children by age group. So there's a combined um, age group component, and that's just a summary of the types of ECE programs that uh, will come up throughout this presentation. These programs can be licensed or license exempt, um, and then license license exempt programs operate legally, but just exempt from the licensure. So national, um, these Programs and organizations listed are just a few examples um, out of many that provide um, guidelines as it relates to beverages for children. Um, Caring for our children, um, it's a combination of the American Academy of Pediatrics, American Academy of Public Health. Um, These programs come together and make recommendations for beverage consumption for children, as well as you may know, the um, Centers for Disease Control, their division of nutrition, physical activity, um, published guidelines for 100% juice consumption, milk, water. Um, So these are just a few examples we'll get into um, further. As for specific policies and practices that are implemented in the ECE space, um, the first being to eliminate sugar sweetened beverages and focus on um, identifying and providing 100% juice with no sugar added. Um, Additionally to a limit, even those 100% juices to four to six ounces per day, um, depending on um, the age of the child. Um, Also focusing on whole milk for children um, that are one years old and then low fat um, and 2% milk for children um, older. And then also to provide um, access, free access to water throughout the day just a few policies. Um, this table just summarizes the Georgia licensing and beverage p- provisions by child care facility type. Um, so you can see that um, all of the facilities are eligible for participation in the, actually, yeah, all the facilities are available, eligible for participation in the child and adult care food program. Um, and that um, only the child care learning centers um, are required to adhere to the CACFP. Um, guidelines and that um, license exempt facilities um, aren't eligible to participate in the quality rated improvement system which is a system to not only improve the quality of childcare but also to be able to name and rate that and communicate that um communicate the quality of childcare. And so it's important to note that even the facilities that achieve the like kind of lowest standard of the QRIS um, is above the minimum standard required. And it's um, admirable that they're seeking for quality childcare provision. So it's important to note that at the time of this study, there was minimal um, research nationally into the compliance uh, with national beverage standards in um, the ECE space. So this study, it took 24 early care and education centers in rural Southwest Georgia, and they were looking at um, they really looked at overall nu- nutrition landscape, but we'll focus specific we'll focus specifically on the um on the beverage area, and they found low compliance with milk and water policies. Um, And it's also important to note that even after there was a nutrition education um, uh, program that they still saw very minimal, um, non-significant changes in the compliance with the milk and water policies. And so um, from that, we um, conducted a statewide uh, survey of Georgia childcare centers to see what the statewide compliance was with these beverage policies. And this graph is showing um, the beverage policy and the percent compliance. Um, And I know this is kind of a lot to take in, but the takeaway from this is that if you look at the first um, row, there's high compliance with limiting sugar sweetened beverages um, and even implementing the 100% juice in four to six ounces, there's still significant differences between the childcare centers that are participating in the CAFC program and those that are not. But overall, there's high levels of compliance. Um, But however, if you skip to the whole milk 12 to 23 months, row, you can see that there's kind of low levels across the board in um, implementing the healthy beverage and the water um, policies. And so from this, that's kind of the main point this graph is just similar um, data, the compliance with the healthy beverage policy. So you can see that there's high levels of compliance with um, the juice being served once a day per less um, and with not serving sugar-sweetened beverages to infants, um, but lower levels with the um, whole milk being served to one-year-olds. and two percent milk being served to two to five-year-olds. So kind of just the overall emphasis is that there still needs to be more training in the area of provision of healthy beverages with the water and milk. Um, This graph shows the beverages provided um, by geographic location, which is kind of just an interesting um, tidbit. It shows provision of um frozen treats and sugar sweetened beverages as well as water and milk at breakfast lunch or dinner or anytime throughout the um the day but the day before the survey um, and there's some significant differences where rural sites are providing more um more frozen treats but also more 100 percent fruit and vegetable juice to children um, more preliminary work. One example um, is in California, they passed the Healthy Beverages and Child Care Act, which was required for licensed ECE providers in California. When they did a statewide survey of child care centers to see what the compliance was with this act, they found that the, it was actually similar to um, the work that I presented that was done in Georgia and also similar work that was done in, I believe, Kentucky, um, where the centers had high levels of compliance with limiting sugar-sweetened beverages, um, but low levels of compliance with serving healthy beverages like milk and water. Um, And so they created a 30-minute self-paced online training provided in English or Spanish with or without technical assistance. um, And they found that it significantly increased the childcare providers' um, self-reported knowledge and awareness of the standards that are required in this Healthy Beverages and Child Care Act. Um, most of the intervention group participants reported um, that implementing this act um, once they learned about it um, was very easy to do. So that's great news. To press. Um, so our next steps from this was using the study findings to inform the development of an e-learning training to provide beverage policy implementation in the ECE space. And kind of why ECE or why e-learning? Um, one reason it's a very fast growing trend in kind of the uses of educational technology. Um, this was prior to the pandemic, but we know of course, now that in-person um, in, tra- in person training is not always feasible um, or accessible and so it's kind of a way to increase your reach with your training. Um, also that ECE programs are geographically diverse, especially when we are talking about um, rural Georgia. Um, And so again, it increases the reach that we're able to have. Um, With that, I'll pass it to Jason.
0: Thank you, Cassidy. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, so so like Cassidy said, the next step for the study after we found out that uh, people were in like complying with uh, the average policy standards, we decided to develop an e-learning training for EC providers. But in order for us to develop an effective e-learning training, we wanted to understand what were E-C providers' e-learning needs. So the research aim for the study was one, to use a quantitative survey to to explore the internet use of E-C providers, if they had participated previously in beverage policy training, and if they were willing to participate in e-learning among ECE providers. And we also wanted to know their preferred e-learning format. Then for the second aim is to enrich the data. We use the qualitative methodology to elicit thirds from ECE teachers about their needs and preferences for e-learning. Next slide, please. So the um, study sample, um, we partnered with um, the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. Like we all know for community work, community institution partnership is very important. So we partnered with them and they sent um, our survey across through a common database um, using the database where they have um, so many ECD providers. And um, we were able to reach 30, um, child childcare programs in Georgia. And this was certified by regions in Georgia and by program type. So um, for the survey me- uh, measure, we um, used an e-learning survey, but this e-learning survey was part of a larger statewide survey that was sent out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we would call the survey the Gildred Child Care Awareness Survey. So the e-learning survey was just a bit of it, with um, few questions in order to address um, the aims that I talked about. And the number of the respondents um, were equal to the number of programs and they could assess the survey electronically and paper, people that could not complete it electronically. Few portraits were sent a stamped envelope of the survey to complete it. And they had a duration of four weeks to complete the survey. I'm sorry for the interruptions. Okay, so um, um, just to clarify, I'm, I'm sure everyone can hear me. I'm um, with my baby. So um, if you don't understand anything, just feel free to type in the chat box and I could repeat myself. So for the qualitative data, we use both individual interviews, key informant interviews, and focus group. We had 24 inter- key informant interviews. And for the six focus group, so in Georgia, we have six childcare regions, which is um, being stratified by the pal the Georgia Department of Education and Learning. So we felt that it was better to cover the whole regions of Georgia. So we conducted one focus group in each regions of Georgia among um, childcare providers and teachers. Then during the um, interviews and um, focus group, ECU providers and teachers were shown the three most popular e-learning formats from what uh, from the data from the results we gathered from the survey. And for those that participated, they were compensated with fifteen dollars. So the data analysis for the survey we did descriptive statistics using SPSS and for qualitative there's a content analysis and um, atCI digitalize the analytical um, process. So for results, um, for the results for surveys, so I, I'm sure earlier when I told you that, you know, um, the survey was sent to about 3,000 um, childcare um, programs in Georgia, but we only had a response rate of 25%, where only 646 um, surveys were returned back and completed um, fully. And um, the distribution were almost the same for both electronic, um, completion and by paper. And in the survey, ninety eight percent of the respondents had access to internet. Most of them were accessing internet from home. About fifty six percent at work. And by electronic device use, most of them were using their desktop computer to access the internet, followed by smartphones and personal laptops and I think it explains things that most of these DC providers spend most of their time at work, and um, most times they're always on their desktop and you know, um, compared to their phone in order to monitor um, the school environment. Then about 85% of the participants had no um, prior beverage policy training, which shows that um, there is um, a research gap that needs to be filled by us. Next slide, please. So for the preferred e-learning format, we asked them um, to choose their three most um, preferred e-learning formats from um, six provided options, phone apps, social media, text messaging, video based podcast, and interactive video. So um, the three that rose to the top was interactive video, um, podcast, and video based But amongst that three, interactive video was using games where... Um, They would log in, receive um, materials on the training, then play games um, is a form of interactivity within the training to learn about beverages and and the standards they're supposed to uphold in their programs. So um, when we asked the providers and teachers why um, the rationale for interactive video, um, we had so many responses and I would want to share um, some of them said, especially oh. because I get to make a decision, interact with, and the test I could do that. So some of them log or oh, um, um the interaction within the interactive video um prototype that was shared with them. Then someone also said, I think because it's it's interactive, it is more engaging. So um, the participants believe that the interaction made the content engaging for them, and they could learn better that way. Then someone else said i can look at this while i'm listening but then i would st- oh sorry so for this statement someone said i would I actually look at this while i'm listening but then i would stop listening so this was um um, um this was um someone's rationale for picking interactive video against um, um compared to podcasts so someone was like for podcasts you could listen but at the point you might stop listening, but for interactive video, because it's video, it's visual and audio, it's more engaging. Next slide, please. So for the components of an effective training, four um, things came to the top. Um, providers wanted the training to be engaging. They wanted it to be concise, very short, straight to the point. They wanted the training to hold the um the trainee accountable either it being the provider or the teachers and they wanted it to be interactive so in the next slide um this is just to show like an example oops this is to show like an example of um, a statement that was made by one of the um, interviewees concerning um, concisements in the training they said and a lot of A lot of it depends on how much of the information keeps getting recycled over and over and over until like I've already done this five times in the last 10 minutes. So 10 minutes doesn't look like a lot of time, but to them, they feel like time, it's money or time is expensive. So we have to be concise on what we're telling them. We should avoid being repetitive of the same thing. Then the next slide talks about I'm holding the training accountable. Uh, An ECU provider director said, but why? I think it's huge because so often teachers with hand washing, with diapering, with water, with whatever they're told, this is the best practice. This is what you need to do. This is what you're supposed to do, but it's not necessarily ever explained to them. So they are not given a chance to buy into it. So what the director was trying to say was that A one way of holding the trainee accountable is telling them why they should do something or why they shouldn't do something. And I think this is applicable, even myself as a mom, um, when I tell my son to do something, he says, mommy, why? So I always have to like, you know, tell him why before he buys into it or before he understands, you know, the consequences or the reason or the rationale why he should do what he should do. So the, they felt like telling them the why would hold them accountable because they're able to, like, you know, think about it or probably reflect about it. Next slide, please. So the other findings, aside the components of the training that um, the providers, teachers, and directors wanted to see, they wanted to see like a practical application of the information. Like someone said, I like how it has practical application in the classroom. Not, not a lot of trainings do that, where they show you like, they show you a theory and don't really show you how to implement it. So they wanted to see like an online training, for example, if um, let's say, um, um Children should be served like 1% milk. Then they wanted to see like maybe a a picture of, you know, like 1% milk, like, you know, how 1% milk looks in the store. And, you know, probably also show them, you know, um, the content of 1% milk against whole milk for children, um, ages white appropriate for children ages 2 Yes and above. They also wanted to see like activities and clean health materials for children and parents. So parents, um, I said parents, providers, um, um, we're talking about that they wanted these materials because they could be saying something in the classroom and parents might be doing the opposite at home and that might be very conflicting because um, it, it could be like double standards for the children. So they felt like they had like activities or printout materials that it would be easier to carry the kids along, and it would also be easier for the parents to understand why they were doing, you know, the standards or why they were implementing the standards they were implementing in the classroom. So someone said I piloted a lot of read write from the start curriculum in my classroom many many years ago, which was really nice because it had built-in activities that helped children and a concept and hands-on learning. I would think stuff like that would be really nice. Finally, they also talked about healthy recipes. I wanted to see healthy recipes that we could um, carry out in their program, in their schools, because um, in as much um, as whether it's good, I, I can tell you that um, from all the studies that we've conducted, People feel like water is too bland and it's not something they could drink all the time. So they wanted healthy recipes that just could use like recipes and smoothies and maybe flavored water that are healthier than, you know, sugary drinks and the like of it. Next slide please. So when the moderator asked them about incentives to motivate um, training completion, so what would motivate them to participate in the training and complete it, they talked about, Continuing education units. They talked about usable, tangible gifts like water bottle. They talked about work and um, job requirement that if it's a requirement in the job, it's that would motivate them to complete it. They also talked about giving points, like, you know, when you're playing game and you get points, that that point should be exchanged for rewards, like tangible rewards, like food or money. Who doesn't like, you know, rewards? So I love it myself. So we talked about that. Next slide please. So after collecting this data, we um, um, went to next step. So the next step was to then develop the training. And we ended up developing this training and we called it IBEV Smart Training. Um, This training was um, developed on Articulate and 360, And this is just showing you a sample of the training, um, the online, the e-learning training. This is an introduction. We have um, a person named Lydia who introduces herself as a child care um, provider and she's also speaking to the learners who are child care providers that she's here to you know, teach them about um, beverages and to figure out what beverages to sell the kids and that she will be joining them in the class. So it's it helps the providers or the teachers or the directors that are letting see like, oh, you know this is someone like me and you know um, if she's doing this the right way, I too can be motivated to, to do it the right way too. That's like. So this shows you like uh, some form of you know the interactivity because since the providers said that they wanted um, the lessons or the training to be interactive, we uh, ended up um, adding some interactivity within the training, and this is like uh, a training, um, a game, where um, providers, directors, teachers are asked to remove all the sugar-sweetened messages and place them on the table. And after that, they're done. When they submit, if they answered it correctly, they are being you know, told that, you know, um, Got it right. But if maybe um, there was a mistake and they couldn't get everything correctly, then they're being given, I think, two um, uh, multiple attempts, um, two more attempts. Then after that, we are told the right answers. Then the next slide talks about um, how um, providers are taught about um, labor reading, because um, Labor reading would help them or would inform their decisions better faster. So they talk about um uh, labor reading, how to identify super sweetened beverages using like added sugars on the label and also um, um the ingredients, how to you know figure out um what is an ingredient and if it's healthy for them to provide in school or not. Next slide, please. So um, after all this, um, the next um, thing that we need to discuss about is, what's the relevance? What's the relevance of the study, right? Um, when it comes to policy, um, with everything happening, just like Cassidy said, and technology is a big thing now, east moving in centers are diverse. Um, there are also barriers like transportation, um, time constraints. So, uh, self paced online could become um, you know, the most big thing um, within the ECE centers where um, providers can learn from the comfort of their school or office or even at home if possible. So, um, providing self paced online training on beverage recommendations for young children can improve healthy beverage practices in ECE centers. And also, um, it could also become a requirement for professional development within incident centers for new staff and old staff to um, learn about healthy beverage consumptions for the children they're taking, in, um, taking care of in the classroom. And it can also increase awareness about sugar city beverage best practices um, implementation uh, amongst staff. So this could be like a very good resource for them something they could always go back to, or they could always um, refresh themselves on um, maybe quarterly or um, per semester. Like for example, at school, I know we do like this semester, we do training on cybersecurity. So they could be part of that and um, they could keep themselves up to date on what's happening and, you know, have the environments become more, you know, healthier for the children to thrive in. Next slide, yes. So that brings us to the end of our presentation. Um, before we end this presentation, um, there are other things we are doing in respect to e-learning. For myself, um, I'm currently working on um, developing an e-learning for black um, parents, of young children. And <laughs> I'm focusing on black um, families because um, black children are the highest consumers of children drinks compared to peers. And um, we have found out from literature that um, um, culturally centered interventions might be the best way to reach or close disparity gaps and promote health equity. So I'm currently developing an e-learning training, and um, really excited to see the outcome. And um, there also are other um, e-learning stuff that are going on. We are planning to um carry out this IVF smarts in a larger um, study. So we did a pilot study using the um, samples that I showed you. And the, re- the results we got was impressive. There was increase in knowledge. People became aware of resources. That, uh, providers became aware of resources they could go to. And now we want to make it a larger study across Georgia. So for this study, um, we acknowledge um, the Living Wood Jensen Foundation through the Healthy Eating Research Program for funding us. We also thank everyone that has collaborated from the lab, Child Obesity Prevention Lab, to every other one that was every other person listed on the screen. To Haley, Natalie, Dr. Lee, missing Directors and teachers who. Provided their time to participate in the study, to Dr. Hall, to Dr. Sturt, and Dr. Birch, uh, who is no longer with us, but while she was with us, her expertise was really, really imperative for the study. So thank you all for listening, and if you have any questions, please leave it in the chat box.
3: Thank you so much. It was great to learn about your work in, in the early childhood settings using technology. If people have questions, they can type those into the question box and I will moderate those out to our presenters. Um, as you are thinking through this specific project, um, what other
0: next steps do you have for this project? do you wanna go?
1: Yeah, so I know she talked about the um, a larger study with the IBEV. I know one direction we're also taking um, is uh, social media. So that's my dissertation project actually is um, developing a culturally appropriate social media um, nutrition education campaign for parents. Um, we know that parents are on social media and so kind of meeting them where they are. Um, is is another avenue that we're developing currently um and launching soon actually <laughs> yeah,
3: that'll be exciting to see both of your continuing projects um as you are moving through and uh, again I, i'm really interested in hearing about both what you've done and what you're going to do as you're developing uh culturally tailored culturally appropriate um Upcoming projects. What tech? What strategies are you using to make sure that these projects are culturally appropriate?
1: Well, the first is really just listening to parents. Um, we've done a lot of focus groups, surveys, interviews, where we um, we've been in collaboration with some wonderful um, communication experts, where um, we crafted some test messages um, based on. Um, the literature, and we take those test messages, test messages to parents and kind of ask them, um, you know, when you see this message, what do you think? Is this something that you would engage with? Is this something that you feel represented by? Um, you know, what would you like to see? And we kind of take directly from what the parents um, tell us and use that to tailor and craft our messages. So, Short answer is just <laughs> we do a lot of asking and a lot we get a lot of feedback um, and it's it's very helpful. We're very lucky to have parents who will um, talk with us, um, so that's how we make sure that it's culturally appropriate.
3: Yeah, that's wonderful yeah. to hear
0: about. Yeah, and in addition to what Patty just said, um, we've you know collected lots of feedback. So for my student, um, first of all, what I did was that we. Um, and around you know, Georgia, um, first of all, we wanted to understand why, um, what was influencing the beverage choices in Black families? So we used um, focus group, and this was rooted in social cognitive theory, where we know that um, interaction between the environment, personal behaviors, can influence, you know, um, personal experiences can influence the one's behavior. So we asked them um, what was influencing them. We talked about a lot of things. We had the, oh, that paper is published in childhood obesity, I could share that link with you. And we found out a lot of things. They talked about um, family norms, like the way they grew up, influenced, you know, the kind of beverages they're drinking. They talked about um, grocery advertisements. They talked about targeted marketing. they talked about, um, lack of synergy between um, health professionals, the messages that we send out there that the doctors will be saying something, the petitioners will be saying something else, the nurses will be saying something else, so they are confused. So after that, we asked them about um, the resources that would help them overcome their barriers, and they said that they wanted to learn about the recommendations, they wanted to learn about how to read label and so on. So that's where I thought about, I was like, okay, when COVID writes, um, <laughs> Parents don't even have time of in-person learning so e-learning might be the next thing to do so I decided to you know I'm back on the the e-learning training but in order to have a good e-learning training you also need to go back to the parents to understand what's happening so I went back to you know my parents and I asked them I said okay I want to do an e-learning training first of all will you be interested in order for me to see if I'm wasting my time or if I should go ahead and do it I also wanted to know um, their preferred design format. I can tell you that it's different from what the providers want, although they also want things that are short, they want things that are concise, but they also want to learn about the health consequences and they also um, wanted a representation. So They said they want to see people that look like them in the training. They want to see people when it comes to color, when it comes to other identities like her when it comes to family dynamics. So that's currently what I'm working on. I'm developing like micro um, videos um, for these families, and I'm hoping that you know when they watch it, in short. Um, they'll be able to like learn one or two things to you know inform and um, healthier choices in their homes. Wonderful.
3: Thank you for sharing that. Um, One of our listeners says, I love the idea of the interactive videos. I may have missed it, but did you say how much, how you made the interactive video?
0: Okay. So how we made interactive video was using articulate 360. So that's um, a software for um, developing um, training content. It's, It's a good program and for this training, we had someone, so the professor had someone um, draw the graphics, like a very good graphic designer. Um, she designed some of the elements of the training, which probably might not be defined anywhere. <laughs> so um, it's, it's it's a good program, it's play 360. So that was how um, we were able to like design um, the, Training and interact the interactivity within the um video, the gaming, and the rest of it. So long- um, sorry go ahead.
3: Oh, I was going to say, how long do you think that process took, start to finish?
0: I have no idea. I have no idea. I would um okay. probably like get back to you before you know when I confirm from the website. So I really have no idea. Yeah, that's okay. okay.
3: Well, I think that is all the questions we have for today. I want to thank you both again for sharing your work with us and sharing your expertise. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.
2: I'll pass it back to Rachel. Yes, thank you so much for presenting today. It's interesting that you mentioned the Robert Wood Johnson Healthy Eating Research because that is tomorrow's (laughs) webinar. Um, If you have not registered for the next SNEB webinar, um, we actually have representatives from um, Healthy Eating Research that are presenting uh, about their uh, grant-making process. So um, still time to register for that. And of course, we'll be uh, back here next Monday for uh, the next Journal Club webinar. And then also a reminder that SNEB conference registration is open. Um, the lowest rates are available through May 1st. Um, and even if you register and just say invoice me um, and don't have the ability to pay right at this moment, um, that invoice will lock in that lower rate. So that's what I'm trying to share with people. Um, If they're planning on going to conference and wanna take advantage of the low rate, um, that invoice uh, option is available to you. So uh, just a reminder, when I close the webinar in a moment, you'll see a survey and your feedback's appreciated. And then watch for your follow-up email should be in your inbox from Zoom uh, by Wednesday with your CEU certificate. And I should ask Chisholm, what's the baby's name? Oh, the
0: baby's name is Chidupin.
2: Oh, thank you for joining us today. (laughs) Bye, everybody.
0: Bye. Bye.